Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. The, uh, the dragon thing behind you is cool. Ah, dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never, like, when I first started reading the books, I never thought about the dragon as being, like, sinuous like that. Like, almost that oriental-style dragon. Like, in my head, it was, like, medieval-looking. But I... Oh, yeah. Like, I think this one is so much better. You found Which your is, glasses. I found my glasses. They were under the bed. That's... Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you fall asleep at, at night like and watching Supernatural and then realizing Ooh. that you're too tired. I love that show. I admit I it. I actually, I think I want to start watching that just as like something to like, That's, I don't know, see in the evening. Or that or like maybe Buffy or something. Just like I can Ooh. turn my brain off. <laughs> yes. It's real good for that. Like sometimes it's a bit dark and torture heavy. But for the most part, <laughs> like we, I, I don't... We were talking last night, and one of my friends was like, you should really watch the Gilmore Girls. And I was like, there's not enough of a horror factor for me to want to watch the Gilmore Girls. Sorry. I have to send you a picture of what I was watching last night. Okay. Here's screenshots of what I was watching last night. (laughs) Do you know what this is? I don't know. Do you know who it is? No. What is this? It's the actress who's playing Egwene. Really? (laughs) So I... (laughs) I thought, I want to see our own Egwene. I think her name is Madeline. I don't, I don't remember what her last name is. I don't remember is. her last name either. Anyways, she's in this kid's movie, Dora. Like, do you I know Dora? I saw that. Yeah, like Dora the Explorer, Where's My Backpack? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So before I went to bed last night, I was like, I'll just turn this on. It has her in it, and I'm curious to see, like, her, like, acting chops. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I... Saved it just specifically to send to you because it's so relevant right now. Look who she's dressed up as in this picture. Oh, oh. Isn't that so, isn't that crazy? That's awesome. She's RBG with her descent collar on. Yes. My heart. Yes. Yes. So, um, (laughs) what is her name? Madeline. It's Madeline Madden. Madeline Madden. We're bad super fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's this scene where they like have to come to the school dance dressed up as like their favorite star. And there's just this quick little like snippet of her walking and I had to pause it. And I was like, oh my God, she's dressed up as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> oh, I so love I had that. like this internal moment. I was like screaming like, yes. I love that. Though I've only seen her in um, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um, Ooh, I'll have to watch that. It also, I don't know it's if it's available. Like, I feel okay. like it was a limited run series, but I honestly, I don't remember. Um, it had Natalie Dormer in it, which was really what got me oh, to watch it because I really okay. like her. Yeah, like I really love Natalie Dormer. She's great in the Tudors. Like I haven't seen her in the Tudors. I haven't. Wa- 
She's Anne. She's know. Anne Boleyn. And she's so good at it. She's so good at it. I love her. Yeah. Marge. Margie. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. God, I loved her. I was so disappointed, like, how she dies in Game of Thrones. Same. Same. I was like, what? Wait, what? No. <laughs> they start, like, lock- barring all the doors, and I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's an instant bad sign. <laughs> God. <laughs> so disappointing. So very disappointing. <sighs> oh, hey. Uh, so before before we started recording, and who knows how much of this will make it into a final cut, um, but this part should. Uh, we've had 401 listens to our podcast Yay! so far. Yay! <laughs> I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. <laughs> I was just talking to my brother this morning because it was my – nephew's birthday and he's like can you send me a link to your podcast and I'm like sure but I don't think you're gonna understand anything that's going on because you haven't read these books but by all means listen if you want Mm -hmm. and yeah so he's like how many like can you how many people have listened so far I'm like we have like 400 listens and he's like whoa that's cool and I'm like yeah I'm right that's cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the podcast market isn't super saturated yet but like I mean I've been I've been working on podcasts for three I would say roughly three years now like I just became totally obsessed with them when I was getting ready for my wedding because I had like so much stuff that I was trying to do kind of on my own and Mm -hmm. one of them was (laughs) so dumb one of them was buying like secondhand tablecloths and I wanted them all ironed before I packed them into like their little numbered boxes to take Mm -hmm. to the the reception hall and like I'm just standing there like ironing tablecloth (laughs) after tablecloth and I was like my brain feels like it's turning to mush and I think Andrew suggested the Freakonomics podcast because I Mm. enjoyed the books and like the Mm -hmm. way that they look at things so I started listening to that and then like This American Life and what was oh radio 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 lab that's what it is radio lab mm. so like those were the ones that I just kind of like started listening to and like those were the big ones for a while but then mm-hmm. like serial came out and it was so good and like I just serial was the first one that I listened to I was hooked like when she mm-hmm. said she wasn't gonna have like a a, a new episode because of Thanksgiving I was like fuck Thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> I have more. I have to wait two weeks now. Um, but then when I was in like when I was in school, I decided I wanted to do like a podcast for the history club because like the history club at my school was non-existent. There were like two people who belonged to it. And like I show up to the history club meeting with like a printout of the things that I want to talk to them about. <laughs> and I'm like, one of the things is is we're gonna start a, a podcast. And they were like Sure, crazy lady. Like, <laughs> we had a fucking podcast, and it was really yeah. fun to do, and I had a great time doing it. I listened I listened to a couple, but then you? I was always disappointed when someone else was talking and it wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really fun, and I just, like, I don't know. I love podcasting. I just think it's such a great format to find, like, really niche topics like Wheel of Time podcast. Because that's just it. Is like, it's not like we picked some mainstream topic yet. I mean, 
if the I would show love does, for it to be a mainstream topic. Yeah, like if the show does well, I can absolutely see this becoming a much more mainstream topic. And of course, I've mentioned it before, I really want the show to do well. I saw someone post something the other day on Twitter and it was like, I can't wait for like, I have toe to be like in the general lexicon <laughs> of like <laughs> people talking. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. Can you oh, imagine? So good. Like, <laughs> Screwing something up and instead of like saying like apologizing someone being like I have toe towards you. <laughs> that would be amazing. I love that idea. Yeah. So I, I really like I hope that it becomes mainstream, but picking a fairly niche topic and not really like pushing in any way, I feel like having over four hundred listens for our little podcast is pretty good. Like I'm excited. Yeah. And I think, too, like, I have so many, like, reading the books, I have so many things, like, running around in my head. Yeah. And I have to get it out somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I have to, got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad that we decided to do this. It's been super fun. I really hope the show, I really hope the show is just, like, the next thing. Yeah. There's so much potential. God, there so really much potential. is. There really is. And I mean, I've felt like that for so long. Like, I was always like, man, someone should turn this into a movie or something. Like, why am I, I not a better writer? Do, like, I, I don't know how they're going to do it because there's 14 books and, like, I can't see it. I can't see there being 14 seasons. Like, I don't know. That would be over 14 years. I mean, they can't always be like one year apart like depending on stuff that happens like obviously like no one expected coronavirus so right, you yeah know, like, th- things happen but like man like I can't see it lasting for 14 years then like most of the people would have like aged out our ageless Aes Sedai's would start looking a little aged maybe <laughs> <laughs> you know what though like Game of Thrones ran for eight years and, like, starting with small children, of course, like, Arya, and she becomes an adult along the way, like, that, those things But she things still always change. kind of looked, but she's, like, tiny and, like, mm-hmm. very cute, and she, she never really looked old, old, old. Like, mm-hmm. she always kind of looked like a teenager. I don't know yeah. how old she is right now, but she always looked young. But the actor that played uh, Bran... Mm-hmm. He like one day he was just like this little boy, and then the next season I was like, "Oh, you're a man." <laughs> that was yeah. a long time sledding around north of the wall. <laughs> well, and I mean, how much do you allow for the suspension of disbelief when you're watching something you enjoy? Because I mean, even now, true, like they're, true. they're choosing actors and actresses who are older than what the characters in the book are and I think that's a smart choice yeah like will they will they keep the idea of the Aes Sedai being ageless like is that something that they will maintain in the show so that they can like stay close to the show or is that some one of those things that will just kind of like fall off to the side and we have to identify Aes Sedai in a different way so that we don't have to worry about whether or not this takes so long how could you do that? How could you, you know, like would it would just be like the way that they dress or Yeah, hmm. I would I would think it would have to be something or or they're those characters that you just identify with and know this thing about them, mm-hmm. you know? Or they're wearing their shawl 
or something. True. But, yeah. Okay, and they also have like the ring, the golden serpent ring. So like mm. maybe just like a quick brush of someone pushing their hair back right. in the ring shows. You know, like I think that there would be ways to identify without having to stick to that. Because like, like we were talking about uh, on Twitter, I know I saw this. I think you said that you had seen something s- similar where like someone suggested the actress who plays Avasarala in The Expanse and what an amazing Cat Swain she would make. Oh my God. Fucking She's amazing. perfect. She would be perfect. People listening, people listening, if, <laughs> if you have... If you have watched The Expanse, the um, actress that plays Chris Jen Avasarala, look her up and tell me she does not fit Cad Swain 100%. Yeah. Or maybe even find like a, a video of her and like one of her <gasps> Avasarala. I always Rants. say her name wrong. Yeah. Like she's just <laughs> like, and I just got <laughs> to, I just got so to the point. Brutal. She's yeah. so brutal. She's so brutal. And she's so talking to Holden and she's like, she's like, don't put your dick in it, Holden. <laughs> <laughs> don't screw this up. <laughs> I can see her just being like, Rand, don't put your dick in it. Oh, she's just my favorite on that show. And there's still just something so damn lovable about her. Like, well, she totally, that role fits with Cad Swain so much because her mm-hmm. opening scene in The Expanse is her basically torturing someone. So you're like, oh my God, this is one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then like as time progresses, you know, like you have a really gray character. Like, mm-hmm. So, I don't yeah. know, but she's so lovable because, like, well, yeah, I guess you just have to she's watch human. it, I guess, to know. She's human. Like, they show her mm-hmm. playing with her grandchildren in, like, this really humane, fun way that you're not necessarily expecting from this, like, torturous. Well, she's like, yeah, she's... <laughs> she, and the thing is, is, like, the torturous situation is so strange because, like, she's not, like... So obviously this group of people can't survive on Earth's gravity. And so she took him out of like water so yeah. that like the force of gravity would be like hurting him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, just put me back in the tank, you crazy old bat. Yeah. But like, and I just got to the point in the series because I'm, I'm reading the series through again right now. Um, I'm on book six and uh, she just showed up in this series for, like, the first time. And I was like, holy fuck, Catswain, how did I forget about you? Like, When I'm she excited. makes her appearance, I didn't know what to think. And it mm-hmm. was the same with how I felt with Avasarala because I'm like, ooh, like, she's kind of, like, a baddie. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Rand is kind of being, like, a jerk. Yeah. And someone's got to kind of, like, step up to him. So that's yep. why I'm so excited she shows up um, – she hasn't shown up in New Spring, but I think, is there a mention of her yet? I know it's coming. I don't know if I remember seeing her in New Spring yet. Okay. I, yeah. I'm i pretty sure it's coming because I accidentally read, like, a comment on something about <laughs> something. I'm like, oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Cads. Cads is coming. I like her. So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm excited to see what things they keep in the show and keep out of the show. I think someone else on Twitter recently asked, like, like a storyline you could live without in the books. And I thought I had a good answer to that from something I was reading last night. Maybe the more gay storyline I could live mm. without. But I don't know. 
never mind now i can't like think of what it was that like i was like that i would get rid of that someone someone was like i hope they leave out the politics and i'm like what (laughs) blasphemy (laughs) how do you have a story like this if you don't have that part in there i think the reasoning is like they don't want it to be like too game of thrones e like Mm. and they want it to be like their own thing but at the same time like I don't know, like, the if you leave out the whole, like, politics side plot with Elaine, then, like, what is she doing (laughs) this whole time taking baths? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or I guess they could, like, they could, like, beef up her, like, Black Aja hunting instead. But But I feel like that's, you can only do that like once and you, you know? can't like you can't really create elaine's character without also creating who she is and how she's been trained and yeah like, yeah, yeah like i just she got... is andor like she is our connection to andor mm-hmm. and like i just i just got to a point in the the book i don't i don't want to talk too much about like things that we haven't like anyway like who she is as the daughter heir like really shows up and like I don't yeah, know. I, I well, like if you've re- if you've read Eye of the World, like this isn't a spoiler. So if you haven't yeah, read, no, well, no, this is actually in uh, book seven. But we know from Eye of the World who she is. Oh, okay, right? yes, yes, from that aspect, yes. I think like okay. I don't think talking about Elaine and who she is is any kind of a spoiler. But like this particular part, like in the book, with what happens and where she is in the book, like talking about that would definitely. Mm, definitely mm. be a spoiler so anyway um i think you have to have the the politics part of it like you can't have like the the nobility just walking up to the throne and being like hey this is mine thanks see ya like (laughs) no opposition whatsoever yeah and i mean those machinations happening in the background those subtleties of like who's the good guy who's the bad guy like that builds so much around Mm -hmm. the story I just don't think you could and that's what makes the Robert Jordan book so brilliant is that it Mm -hmm. has all of those things in it like right like how many times how many times in these chapters that we're covering today do they mention Deste Mar like it's in there probably like four or five times yeah and like that's so important to you know tom's character Mm -hmm. elaine's character morgaze's character all of the aes sedai in one way or another yeah yeah Yeah. the aes sedai are great at dust day mar even if they don't know they're playing it (laughs) (laughs) i think most of them know I would be I would be really surprised if I I could see them like denying it, but I I can't see them not being like totally mm-hmm. aware that they play that game. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Twitter, you have a new Twitter name. I have a new Twitter name. I almost forgot we were going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> People need to know these things. It's true. So, I I made I've been on a baking kick recently because got that new KitchenAid yeah (laughs) I my six-year-old accidentally broke my old KitchenAid mixer and it was devastating and anyone who has one should have sympathy for me and anyway and Target (laughs) like a proper goodbye before you chuck actually (laughs) actually 
So it can be repaired because that's one of the good things about KitchenAid mixers is like they're designed really smartly and I won't go into the details of how like this is just a relatively minor repair that needs to be done, but the repair wasn't going to happen anytime soon and it's baking season in my house. Like once fall hits, like you had that KitchenAid. Yeah. So I upgraded and got a really cool new KitchenAid mixer and I'm absolutely in love with it and made this ridiculous cake for a friend that included like cotton candy meringues as like part of the decoration. And when I posted a picture of it on Twitter, because like all I could think of was today I'm I'm Laris, mistress of the kitchens, like as I'm like <laughs> walking around like putting together this gorgeous cake. Like And it's stuck. Yeah, I was like <laughs> I want to be that all the time. Is anyone that already? Because, I mean, seriously, I take pictures of my food all the time. I (laughs) am... Do you know why I love Mistress Laris of the Kitchen so much? (laughs) Oh, fuck. I can't even say. No. I know, right? I'll wait till later on, maybe for our spoilery Uh, discussion you know what though um i meant i mean i'm gonna pull this up because the wiki wheel of time page has like a really great like little sum up of of her as a (gasps) character i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about i was like this is so good i love this wait wait who's gonna be fastest you race Mine is being dumb. Oh, let's see. A woman of surprising knowledge and shocking past. Right? <laughs> She's so good. Um, well, and I mean, like, this this is what I felt like suited me really well. Although almost everybody who knows me is like, oh, you're so nice. And like, you don't know me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and so under personality, it says, Laris is seemingly stubborn and as a seemingly stubborn and harsh woman. This combined with the common and ignorant perception that stout people are stupid has led to many to underestimate her. Mm-hmm. And I can't read that part because that would be a spoiler. Lars is, in fact, politically skilled, highly intelligent, deeply trustworthy, and extremely fair-minded. And I was yes. like, how did they know me so well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was I like, love I Laris, mean, and I never, yeah. really, I never really thought about it until I started kind of like digging in deeper into like her character and looking things up about her. Just because you had changed your name, and I thought I want to like, I just wanted to look her up, mm-hmm. and like I kept coming across more and more things, and I was like, oh, 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 like there's <laughs> there's some good like kind of conspiracy type things about Laris. Really, they're pretty awesome. Okay, I'm gonna have to. Dig we can into talk that. about them later. Cool. But I was just like, so I decided that it just kind of, it suits me better. And the other thing that I think is kind of funny about this is that Lars has a soft spot for young spirited women. And I have this, (laughs) I have this knack for collecting like spirited women in general. Little butterflies. Yes. And I have like, because I, because I am a 40 something year old who just finished at university, I have, like, this adorable group Mm. of young lady friends. I shouldn't say young lady friends. They're they're all in their 20s. But they're just so delightful. They're so driven and so smart. And I'm like, come over to my house. I'm baking cookies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's have rosé and cake on the patio. Like... I'll make the cake. Yeah. So like I feel like I feel like it's a name that suits me really well. You're making me very disappointed (laughs) that I don't live closer to you. 
<sighs> I'm really sorry. And everything has been coming out really well. And it's the it's the mixer. It's magic. I just fucking love it. Like what all can mixer I make magic. in the mixer today? I made a beautiful meatloaf the other day. It was fantastic. Like everything mm. that comes out of it is so good. Anyway, so t- new Twitter handle is at Mistress Laris because somehow Laris Mistress of the Kitchens is just too long of a Twitter name. <laughs> <laughs> is there any underscore or anything or is it all one word? Uh-uh. Just... It's just all one word. Yeah, Mistress Laris. So, that's yeah, you. That's me. Mistress Laris. I, I feel like I fi- I've found my identity of Wheel of Time character. <laughs> I just needed to, like, look a little harder for her. Is that, why, <laughs> is that why mine is still forever a novice? Because I'm just, like, floating around. Like, I don't know. What's this rosebud? I don't know. What do I do with this? <laughs> I think it's such a clever name. It's still kind of, like, incognito. Like, I'm not an actual person. I'm mm-hmm. just one of those side characters that show up. <laughs> Yeah. Like the one that like delivers like a, a note, like someone wants to see you now. Don't remember me. You maybe have a last name, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know how there's like the A characters and there's the minor characters mm-hmm. and then there's like someone whose name gets mentioned one time and they never show up again. That's me. That's you. <laughs> But secretly behind the scenes, there's so mm-hmm. much more to you. I love it. Enigma. Should we go ahead and... We probably should. Yeah. Okay. Like get started on... Okay, so today we're doing New Spring Recap, chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, right? That's our plan. Yep. And then I'm going to start with chapter 11. And I'm yes. actually, like, I kind of want to get through... Like, I'm not going to rush through stuff, but I really want to get to chapter 14 because I really feel, Robert, you're the, you're the best, your video of like the, how every, we're talking about our, our buddy, Robert, that sends us lots of things and makes hilarious memes and makes us (laughs) laugh a lot. It's great. But like the one that he, he just sent to us where it's like the beginning of every Wheel of Time book where it's like. Dress description. Uh, what was the other? Yeah, first, first I said I POV. Yeah, random I said I POV. And then and when then, you get halfway through, it's like shit. Shit's going down. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that's where we are right now. Once we hit like chapter fourteen, like everything. This has been the lead up. Okay, so last time, Swan and Moraine are on the cusp of becoming fully Aes Sedai. And they chose to play a prank on Aleda, which... The mice in the bed, which yeah. we don't get to see. And do we ever get to, like... Did anything ever happen to them? Did they get caught? Did anyone ever figure out that they did it? I'm not exactly sure, but later on, someone comes to offer them healing. And I, that, I thought that it was because... The I thought it was because it was... Yeah, I thought it was because of the tightness from mm-hmm. taking the oaths that yeah. it was, like, uncomfortable... But I've also seen some people say that, like, later on, like, there's – it kind of alludes to them getting, like, spanked huh. for okay. their prank. And it's possible that, like, the healing might be because of that as well as, like, you know, like, the tightness of, you know, the, taking the oaths or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's something I'd have to look into. Okay, yeah, because I, like, in these chapters anyway, I didn't feel like there was anything that clearly pointed to that being Mm -mm. the case. 
Okay, cool. It's definitely not clearly stated. So let's see here. So we have... Sorry. All right. Did you lose your spot? Well, I I couldn't remember, like, if this is part of, like, the the recap from last chapter where she has, like, a moment of conscious thinking that if Aleda hadn't, like, basically beat her the way that Mm -hmm. she did, that she may not have actually passed like, the test for mm. becoming an Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember if that was, like, from the end of chapter had, 10. Yeah, we had talked about it, but I don't remember what chapter it was. Yeah, because, I like, that was actually something that I, again, appreciated about Moraine's character, was that, like, yeah, it sucked, and, I mean, truthfully, there are probably better ways of helping people figure mm-hmm. shit out, but, like, for her to kind of take a step back and almost appreciate the fact that Elida stepped in. If it worked in, for, yeah, Elida's. Yeah shenanigans then. exactly somehow my doc just jumped all the way to the bottom why did you do that you weirdo page 13 <laughs> <laughs> we do make some pretty impressive word documents mm-hmm. <laughs> um so after they go through the test and everything they're required to stay up the entire night for um contemplation Contemplation. yeah so no sleeping um and this actually made me think of like medieval nights because one of like one of the things i like so much about the robert jordan books is like you frequently find pieces that actually tie into real historical happenings and Mm -hmm. like during the medieval period before knights became knights they spent a night in contemplation where they stayed awake Mm -hmm. all night long and prayed about what they would do as a knight, which this almost makes me feel like so much that the the tower works almost like militarily, like mm, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So at this point, she's like not feeling so good about like the trick that they've played on Elida, which <laughs> we've talked about. That was so dumb. Why? Did yeah. They do why that? would they do that? That just seemed so silly. Like really, guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Gals, really gals. As she, like sh- as she's going through this contemplation, she's also using that time to prepare herself for her move from like living in the accepted quarters to her what will become her chambers in the Aes Sedai quarters. She there's a knock on the door, and like there's a group of sisters waiting outside, and there's one for each Aja who like pull her out and like they don't pull her out into the hallway but like she exits out into the hallway and they circle around her and then they grab Maureen as well and of course Elida is there mm-hmm. as the red sister I still just don't understand why she's trailing them all the time I don't understand this and I don't know if we ever get any kind of explanation on it but I'm always like why why in them I almost feel like she had some type of foretelling that they would be important to her oh wacky i never thought about that but she doesn't know like if it's a good thing or a bad thing because we've seen her foretellings later on and how she gets it most of the time oh wait (laughs) well should i say that (laughs) we can just bleep it out and how bleep she gets it bleep You guys figure that out. But what I liked about this was, like, this is the first time Moraine's kind of starkly compared her level of power to Elida's. And mm-hmm. she says in the book, never again would Elida be able to make her quail. And I, I love that, that she's like, yeah, what do you guys say about it? Like, 
I like that she looks at it and recognizes it, and like that's just like a little extra chip on her shoulder. <laughs> when I got to that point, I was still thinking about, you know, how they have to make like cakes later, pies, mm-hmm. pies. Mm-hmm. When it said that she wouldn't be able to make them quail, I was thinking like the bird, <laughs> like the bird. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> she would never be able to make them quail again. What? Roasted oh, with yeah. butter. <laughs> okay, so next they pick up Swan and they start the procession down to the room where they were also tested. Tamara, the Amarillan seat, or yeah, the Amarillan seat stands there and the ritual begins. Like another thought of Moraine's was. If her face remained smooth, her heart fluttered. Because I was like, mine too. Mine too. Mm -hmm. Like, you guys are right on the edge of this. And Moraine and Swan respond to every question in complete unison. They have decided that they are going to do this. Together. Together. As much as they possibly can. Like, Mm -hmm. every every part of it. And, like, I pulled a a bunch of quotes, I feel like. Because sometimes I just really... Like, Robert Jordan is such a good writer. And I'm, like, mediocre. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but breach of proprieties or not, they intended to do everything together this morning and so far as possible. And I just, I just loved that. I like that we keep getting these reinforcements of, of the their closeness. Bond. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Tamara, because like this is our first time like seeing this transition from accepted to Aes Sedai. This is our very first time we get to see someone going through the process. Yeah. And of course, everything that Aes Sedai I said I do when it comes to stuff like this is tradition and ritual and like to the letter it gets done the same way every time and so she intones then enter if you dare and bind yourself to the white tower hand in hand they entered together a smooth face and a steady tread neither hurrying nor lagging back Oh, the will of the tower awaited them in the flesh. And I loved Ooh, that. Yeah. yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. Like just this moment. And I I like that, again, we've had that lead up to this. And I mean, in some ways, because this, because it is a prequel, it should technically like take ahead of like us knowing Moraine and Swan. But when this came out, like we've known them for a while. Like we've been around their characters for a while. And to mm-hmm. get to like, get this beginning like there was just so much about it i was always in the main series a little bit disappointed that i didn't get this information and now i know why they recommend reading this book like maybe like when you're at three from like books between three and five or something Mm -hmm. yeah because like all this stuff happens in the main series and it kind of just gets glossed over but if you read new spring then you're like oh okay like i totally understand what's going on now and yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's very helpful i thought so yeah and so like also just a little nod to like how powerful the amarillin is she's kind of she's kind of a big deal you know and yeah. not even just the fact that like she's this huge figure of power throughout the westlands also like she's someone who moraine really admires mm-hmm. like she looks up to tamara as much as like she could be around her she has been around her i mean she was in the same room with tamara when tamara's keeper died Mm -hmm. and so like i feel as though moraine feels this connection to tamara in a way that she may not have with other amarillans depending on who they are and i kind of just want to like keep that in mind considering like what's 
what's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like without giving it away, I just kind of like sometimes when I listen to things, I don't always retain all of it. And so I just like, just remember like Mm -hmm. person of power, person who Moraine has strong feelings for. So they go through the remaining steps of the ritual and it comes the time for them to actually say the three oaths. Um, And we talked about like the magic system in our very first episode. And I don't know if we like broke, broke down like the three oaths the way that we could Mm. have. Um, I don't want to necessarily go super into depth with it, but again, this is like our first time seeing the three oaths happen and they play such a big role in like who the Aes Sedai are and how they're seen by people outside the tower, how they see Mm -hmm. each other. So like really the three oaths like bind all Aes Sedai together and it also binds them to the tower. And the first oath is not to lie. Uh, and <laughs> Moraine mentally tests, like, at this moment, whether or not... Up is down. Yeah, you know. yeah. And she was like, her tongue would not work to utter it now. So she can think falsehoods, but even the idea of trying to speak them is immediately... Doesn't work. Yeah, it's immediately prevented. The second oath is to make no weapon for one man to kill another. So don't so power do that. Ro- Yeah, so power rot weapons in Terangriol. Maybe yeah. Is that why they can't make, you know, Terangriol now? Maybe. Like, like maybe because, that's like if it's how a I- part of the If it's a part of the oath, maybe they just lost how to do it after yeah. not doing it anymore. Maybe. That's a really, that's a really good point. So I mean, no more, like, power rot weapons. Yep. Because, I mean, all of the power rot... Power rot? Power rot weapons that we know of are thousands of years old. Like, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that gets mentioned is that the age of them is just incredible. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. It's a possibility. It is. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought about that as an implication for that particular oath. Like, I don't know what I thought they would, like, I think, like, cannons and bombs and, like, things like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the third is to never use the one power as a weapon except against shadow spawn or in the or in the last extreme of defending their life, that of their warders or that of another sister. I love this one because mm-hmm. we don't get until like later on in the series there's a situation where there's Aes Sedai like about ready to be in a fight and they're like no the enemy's not close enough we can't do anything and they have to wait literally until like death is on their doorstep like people like inches away with knives and then they're like okay like <laughs> or just walk into it like I'm pretty sure like yeah they can't it... walk into it no no they can they? Because I I thought I remembered in one of I, is it there's a situation where they're standing where they're at, but they don't advance. You know oh, what I mean? They just okay. stand there like waiting for the enemy to come, and then they're like, okay, well they're close enough now, so okay, I guess we can protect ourselves. <laughs> so it's so sneaky the way mm-hmm. that they have to get around these things. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, there's definitely like. There's definitely something about the three oaths that hinders as much as helps. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. And I know that that's something that, like, kind of comes along later in the series as well is, like, the effectiveness of should it even exist. Like, there are questions around the three oaths. Um, 
See, but but there's always like a contradiction too. Like mm-hmm. they can't make weapons, but they can make people weapons by bonding warders. Mm. So like a warder is like they're so deadly and they're so strong, but you know, and they can do fighting on behalf of the Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. where the Aes Sedai couldn't. So there's always these little like loopholes. ways around it. Yeah, yeah. loopholes. Mm. Yeah. That's another good the point. The Aes Sedai are full of loopholes. They are masters. Um, yes. So the Oath Titans physically on Moray, like she feels the sensation of these tightening of the oaths inside like her being, body. Like being a stuffed sausage. <laughs> yeah. It sounds uncomfortable. They, um, yeah, they just keep saying like how uncomfortable it is. She's like, oh, the light, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it said in the in the book, she thinks invisible and utterly flexible, yet oh so tight. This feeling that her flesh was being compressed would fade, but not entirely for a whole year. So for yeah. like an entire year, this like tightness. And I almost I almost wonder if that is intentional, so that it's always something that's on your mind for that first year right? as you're like adjusting to it. But at the same time, like immediately she couldn't even speak like like make her mouth form the words for what would potentially be a lie so maybe no reminder is necessary but i don't know i was just like maybe there's maybe there's a practical reason around that i don't know maybe i think i just just like a, um well because i don't know like it's so strange because we see you know so many instances later on where Black Aja is able to kind of do things their own way. They have their own. It's not really an oath rod, but mm-hmm. they have their own Tarangriol. And we don't see that if that has the same effect mm-hmm. on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of confusing. Like, yeah, was that something that they did on purpose? Or is it just a byproduct of the swearing itself? Like, that's yeah. a really good point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just thought that it was interesting. It it also has like that whole almost needless cruelty that seems yeah. to be associated <laughs> with the Aes Sedai. Like some mm-hmm. parts of it just seem like, I don't know, occasionally they just feel like a bunch of catty bitches who can't get along. <laughs> like. <laughs> I agree. Um. So anyway, Maureen does her her oaths first and then she of course is kneeling next to swan as swan goes through hers and she thinks as she's looking at swan swan had the heart of a lion i she just i love how this comes up back and forth later on moraine has similar similar or uh swan has similar thoughts on moraine Mm -hmm. and it's so sweet the way that they like think these things about each other Mm -hmm. yeah so once the oaths are sw- sworn, they together walk over to the Blue Sisters because Moraine and Swan have both chosen to be blue. And I think this is the first time we find we that hear, out. And, yeah. yeah, in New Spring. Like, they both, like, they. the paragraph is really short and it's just like they had already had this decision made for years, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that we're learning about it. But they had two shawls. Do you think the Blues knew? That both of them, maybe they, maybe everybody brought two shawls. 
Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they walk over to the Blues, and apparently Varen at some point had said that Blues are called the Seekers After Causes. Like, that's how they're known. Which, knowing, knowing Moraine, both in the main series and in the book, you can absolutely see her making this choice like mm-hmm. it, for her to become blue makes a lot of a lot of sense um but they're told that anything that happens up from this point on is to be held to the blue only um keep it secret keep it safe <laughs> <laughs> keep it to yourself ladies yeah and this is the first time we uh hear of leanne yes hey leanne <laughs> um, i love turns, her yeah it turns out that swan moraine and leanne had all three been at accepted together and had also been friends and at this point Maureen kind of like has like will they become friends again like Mm -hmm. because there can be that that big jump obviously and I I think I get meant it was mentioned earlier like yeah after after they take the test Mm -hmm. like their former friends like curtsied to them and then the friendship situation was super awkward yeah like immediately so uh the chapter ends with Maureen and Swan leaving the room where they completed the ceremony and waiting for them in the hallway is the entire Blue Aja. Oh, thank you. Arthur just <laughs> handed me a random guitar pick. <laughs> Thanks, kiddo. Uh, he's so thoughtful. So every Blue sister who is residing in the tower at that point is waiting outside in the hallway for them, and that is uh, where the chapter ends. And I just... I think this gets mentioned at the end of the chapter as well, is that the blue Aja is the second smallest Aja next to the white. So they're mm-hmm. not joining, like, the popular Wait. group. Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised that the There's, blue is... It's like the yellows, then the reds. Or is it the reds, then the yellows? I don't but know. blues are definitely the... There's the fewest of the, yeah. you know, of the blue Aja. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. And I think they mentioned that there's, like, I think 41 sisters waiting for them. Mm-hmm. And this is starting out in Chapter 12. So mm-hmm. Chapter 12, entering home, they receive kisses from all of the blue sisters lined up. And I think there's, like, 41 or something. Mm-hmm. So if you do the math, like, I don't know. that I, I, I looked, I did the math this morning, and I was like, okay, so <laughs> if there's, like, 41 of the blues, if there's, like, 60-ish of every other Aja or so, like, there has to be, like, what, somewhere between, like, 300 and 400, maybe? Yeah. In the tower? Like, that's not a lot. Well, and that that's a thing that Maureen comes back to thinking about a lot. Like, in these, like, it's been almost every chapter, I think, that yeah. she's made some sort of mention about her concerns, about how few accepted there are, how few. And I think mm-hmm. it's even in... It's coming up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. We'll get to that. Um, so as they receive all these kisses from their, from their blue sisters, Edith tells them that she wants to speak to them later. And Cabriana escorts them to their new rooms. Yay! They Yay. finally get new rooms. Yeah. And, and not Cabriana- just like, oh, they, not go ahead, just go rooms, ahead. They have chambers. Like, yeah. they have a separate separate sleeping chamber. And, like, mm-hmm. it just sounds so fancy. I'm excited for them. Yes. And <laughs> Cabriana escorts them to their new chambers. And she's acting like a total weirdo. And they can't figure out why. <laughs> so we learn later on that Edith is the, the first selector. Mm-hmm. which is the head of the Blue Aja, and she's also a sitter, mm-hmm. which is super unusual for the first selector to also be a sitter. 
Um, but Anaya goes on to say, but unlike some, we blues like to make full use of ability. So I'm just wondering if that's because there's so few of them. Mm. Can't say. Yeah. I actually, I am really sorry to do this. I need to use the bathroom super okay. bad. Do you want to pause okay. for a moment? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's okay. I can take a smoke break even. Oh, cool. Yeah. Then let's do that. Do you want me to call you? Sure. Okay, cool. I'm back. Okay. Bye. Putting my headphones on. Cool. Okay. So we are at and Anaya went on, but unlike some, we blues like to make full use of ability. Cabriana says, in any case, you may rest assured that whatever talents you have, a use will be found for them. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about a little foreshadowing for us? Yeah, they're really gunning to put Moraine on the Sun Throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, poor Moraine. So mm-hmm. Moraine and Swan's personal items have been transferred to their new quarters, and their new quarters are super lacy, and Moraine is just like, oh, this is so tacky. But Swan seems to actually kind of like it. Yep. <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, they speculate on what Edith will tell them, and it sounds very mysterious, like a game of Des de Mar. Moraine can finally get dressed up now that she's an Aes Sedai, and she can finally wear her Kisiera, Kisiera mm-hmm. again, which is this, you know, her. you see this on all the uh, artwork of her, this gold chain that hangs, like, across her forehead with the sapphire drops that hang on it. Is it it's and, a blue stone, right? Yeah, sapphire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And oh, how fitting that they're blue, right? Of course, of course, yeah. It just makes sense. And she looks in the mirror and big sigh. She is finally the Lady Damadred. And she says she is ready to navigate these waters here within the tower, which is going to be a huge ordeal. And mm-hmm. upon entering Edith's room, Edith is super uncomfortable and she gives them a lecture on one tr- or on the one power deference system. Mm-hmm. And we've never really, I think this is the first we get a description in book really in detail. And as an accepted, it's normally considered extremely rude if you're a novice or accepted to bring up how strong someone is in the mm-hmm. one power. You mm-hmm. just don't do it. But she, as she explains now, they have to compare. Yeah. Everyone that they come across, they need to compare how strong their power is in comparison to this other person. And if this person is higher up than you, then you must submit to them, basically. Mm-hmm. And what's even worse is if you screw up and someone with a higher power, def- uh, a higher power than you, if you kind of like order them around then you'll get a really harsh penance for it Mm -hmm. and in this case whoever you offended sets the penance so you have to really be careful because you know you're gonna have to be walking on eggshells up until you kind of get a feeling for it and um the different the only instance where this deference doesn't come into play is when a sister is appointed above you. Mm-hmm. So I would assume like if you are the Amerlin, obviously, even if someone has a stronger power than you, the Amerlin's word still goes. Or maybe if you're a sitter or, mm-hmm. 
you know, Keeper of the Chronicles or whomever. Yeah. And another instance would be if you're an emissary. So, like, if you're on a diplomatic mission and, for example, say you were um, – I'm having a brain fart right now. Like, if you were were Elida and Andor working for the queen, Mm -hmm. if one of your sisters show up and says, like, I have a letter here, you know – that you need to do this, it doesn't matter if that person is much lower in the one power than you. Since they're an emissary from the White Tower, you have to do what they say. Yeah. So that's it's a pretty, like, it's pretty clear cut, except for not knowing for sure. Like, if you're, say, like, very, very similar on the same level of power mm-hmm. as someone, how do you navigate that? And this is where yep. things get real tricky. And Maureen thinks to herself, at what point does deference become obedience? Mm-hmm. And she thinks, you know, she has to observe this closely. And this is where all of her training in Kyrian comes into play because she's, you know, now she's the Lady Domadred and everything that she's kind of trained for is going to help her in the situation of sitting back, waiting, looking playing not playing her cards before she knows you know yep. what she's dealt and it sinks in now why Cabriana when she escorts them to their chambers why she was acting so strange it's because Moraine and Swan are much higher up than Cabriana so then mm-hmm. they're like oh okay now it makes sense and Moraine knows that she needs to be very cautious because she wants out of the tower as soon as possible, and she doesn't want to offend someone and mm-hmm. end up, you know, being punished and sent off on a farm somewhere. Mm-hmm. She wants to find the dragon reborn, and she can't do that if she's constantly getting in trouble. Yep. Yeah. And then <laughs> Catalia shows up, and I think I really like Catalia's um, mm-hmm. personality. But she also is, like, super rude to Moraine and says, oh, and you're the pretty little doll that I've heard about. Yes. You must be Moraine. And Moraine is just, like, oh, like, holding back with every, you know, with everything that she can, not trying to have an outburst, just mm-hmm. having her ice at eye calm. And she's yeah. just thinking, like, how rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and Catalia shows up and asks Swan, like, hey, I want you to come look at this. It's a puzzle, and Swan takes a look at it, and it's pretty obvious Swan makes quick work of it, mm-hmm. and she knows right away. And Catalina is impressed and whisks her off away. And now Swan is pissed because she hasn't gotten a chance to eat, but she's just like, come with me, and mm-hmm. Swan has to do, do so. Yeah. Um, and after Swan is whisked away, Anaya shows up and heals Moraine. And this is, um, it says that it's because of the constriction feeling from taking the three oaths. Mm-hmm. And Moraine is feeling much better. She can still feel the tightness, but it doesn't feel painful. Mm-hmm. And she says that Tamara the Omerlin has sent for her. So, dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we move over to Swan's point of view. And she's stuck with Catalina doing her puzzles for hours. Um, She goes back to find Moraine really upset. And Mm -hmm. what I think is really interesting here is before she gets to find Moraine, she 
has this thought of like, Moraine's much more than a pretty little doll. She's a beautiful woman and she's the strongest person I've ever met. And Mm -hmm. she has all these, you know, feelings for Moraine and how much she looks up to her and how strong and charismatic and wonderful she thinks she is. And when she finds Moraine standing here, totally defeated, she's, you know, struck. And she asks Moraine, you know, what's wrong? And Moraine tells her that Tamara has assigned her to distribute the bounties because she has experience managing estates. Yep. And Moraine is pretty bummed out about this because she obviously wants to be one of the ones out searching for the Dragon Reborn. Mm-hmm. And Swan explains that her day was pretty terrible as well and says Catalina had this job where she was looking at 50-year-old reports on details from all of these different nations. Mm-hmm. And Moraine is like, Swan, Catalina <laughs> is, the, is the leader of the Eyes and Ears Network for the Blues. Don't you see that? Mm-hmm. And Swan feels like an idiot for not piecing this out, which speaks so much to Swan because she can be so smart looking at all these puzzles and putting it all together and then just not even realizing that who Catalia is. Mm-hmm. Or Satalia. Satalia. I'm sorry, I keep saying her name wrong. Um, so she tries to cheer Moraine up. And she says, you know, it'll only take a few months until you finish with the bounties and afterwards you can leave. And since Swan is now helping Setalia with the Eyes and Ears Network, she'll plan to send word to her. Mm-hmm. And she's also, you know, saying like, it's not, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she's yeah. even astonished that she can speak these words, thinking that it might be like a lie but she must really believe it in her heart mm-hmm. that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And um, Moraine explains, you know, this is very unlikely that this is going to work out in my favor. And she, you know, basically starts crying and tells Swan that the White Tower has plans to put her on the Sun Throne. And this is a really, you know, huge part because she's been keeping the secret from Swan and mm-hmm. she kind of, I think she breaks down because she's been keeping this secret from her. And, you know, she's just, she just does not want this to happen because she knows that an Aes Sedai queen could potentially divide the nation. And she's, mm-hmm. I think she's too smart to want to be put in that position knowing what it would do to her nation. Yep. So, and it's always like, you know, that story of like someone who doesn't want to lead would make a great leader but Moraine is just not feeling it she doesn't want to do it and she's also like the house Domadred has a really bad reputation yeah and she feels almost like I wouldn't say curse because Swan or Moraine is definitely not what I would consider a superstitious person Mm -hmm. but she definitely feels the weight of her family's name on her shoulders and how much she doesn't really want to have that as like her I don't want to say baggage maybe baggage is right yeah like she doesn't want that baggage stepping onto the throne as well so she's got several reasons why she doesn't want to be Mm -hmm. doing this and the fact that like there are all these Aes Sedai who are like conniving yeah yeah and I mean that whole like how how soon does deference become obedience like that's gonna weigh on 
Maureen really heavily because right. she's going to What we talked yeah, about last week is, you know, maybe her becoming an Aes Sedai would have been super uplifting because she thinks now maybe she has a shot at putting her foot down and mm-hmm. not, you know, being pushed into this position. But now it's looking like she doesn't have a choice. Yeah, if it looks like the it doesn't Amer- matter. Yeah, if the Amerlin says you have to do it, she has to obey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Which is another reason why being a ruler and an Aes Sedai at the same time... It's just a bad... It's a bad, <sighs> bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Your people aren't going to trust you because no, our, you, the, the order is coming from you or are they coming from the, the White Tower? Yeah. Yeah. So... so yeah, Moran, Moran, Moraine <laughs> is completely, you know, devastated and she's mm-hmm. crying and she does, you know, say to Swan, but, you know, something I can do right now is offer you healing from the pain of the oath rod. And mm-hmm. Swan was, Swan says she was so, you know, relieved she could just kiss her. And then mm-hmm. it says Swan kisses her. <laughs> it's so cute. Yes. And then we leap over to a land chapter, which I was so excited for another land chapter, but this one's super quick and super Mm -hmm. straightforward. And Lan and his men are situated at the foot of Kinslayer's Dagger. And I never really thought about the name of Kinslayer's Dagger, but that's obviously a reference to Luce Theron, Kinslayer. Mm-hmm. and the Aiel are already kind of retreating into a mountain pass. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, thinking this is a really dangerous position because if they're forced to go and fight, the Aiel in a mountain pass is just deadly. Like, they yep. are way too strong. They're way way too uh, adept at this type of fighting condition. And he mm-hmm. knows that they would be doomed if they were to follow after them into the mountains. And it's also um, commented on that Pedro Nile is leading the great coalition army. And this is the Mm -hmm. first time we hear of Pedro Nile in the series. If you're going in order, I would think Mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. But um, Bukama is hoping that Pedro Nile doesn't go on the offense. And Lan is like, no, Nile is too smart. He's way too smart for that. It won't happen. Mm-hmm. And it says that Lan looks north and he feels home tugging on him. So Lan is ready to get back to the blight. Mm-hmm. And Bukama says, only a fool jumps from one war straight into another. So this must mean that Lan, not only does he want to go home, but he wants to go back to the borderlands and start fighting again and to protect, you know, his home. Yeah. And those damn Trollocs, man, why they don't have green Ajas stationed there is beyond me. But I agree. I agree with that. And um, Lan makes the suggestion that you know he thinks he can wait for a month and then head back and Bukama talks him down and says four months is probably better because we need to rest and Lan eventually kind of like agrees the army is dispersing and the Aiel are retreating and Bukama and Lan turn south towards Andor and Tyr mm-hmm and it's quoted, Lan did not speak at all unless Bukama addressed him. He felt the pull of home sharply. All he wanted was to return to the Blight and no encounters with Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. 
which knowing anything about this book, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But <laughs> Lan is just ready for battle into the blight. And I'm so worried for him. I'm I'm just making a guess here that something's going to happen to Bukama and mm. something terrible is going to go on because think about it Lan has he's he's got nothing really left to connect him to his home except for maybe his hidori that he wears mm-hmm. and everyone basically that smuggled him out is dead except for Bukama so I'm just like oh god if anything happens to him I'm going to be devastated mm-hmm. but this is really setting up for what's going to be happening with Lan you know, later on. And this is where I, one of the sections that I'm really invested and ready to get into. But mm-hmm. that actually finish, finishes chapter 12. Okay. So then chapter 13 is business in the city. Ooh, we, we love this business in the city. This is I... where this is where <laughs> things step up. Things yeah. get crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's such a... I wanted I wanted to do this chapter for a very specific part that's coming along, so I'm I'm kind of excited to get to that. But Moraine and Swan head out for dinner in the Aja's dining room, like so. Like this is another their first, first. For us. yeah, yeah. Like we're we're getting an opportunity to see a little bit more inside the tower than I think we usually get to in some ways. And I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because that's what reading the book is for. But when they return to the, like, the blue Aja's quarters, Edith calls them again in to talk with them, and mm-hmm. she gives them a stipend of 1,000 gold crowns Woo! each. And this this actually <laughs> answered a question that I had earlier yes, where I yes. was like, how do, how do I said I get paid? How do they get access to money like because sometimes like what in the first of the the chapter of the no second when like Katara dressed as a keeper like the emphasis on like the jewels that she wore in her hair and on her person and like the the wealth of her clothing like I'm always like where I mean anyway where does so it this, come like, from yeah so this answered a question that I've had for a while and I was I was really kind of I, I was thankful for that information. This is why it's so smart to read this book. Mm-hmm. It really is. It just it just answers some some basic questions that yeah. I think a lot of people are like, well, where, what about this and what about that? And of course, for Moraine, she's like, cool, a thousand gold crowns. But Swan's eyes get like huge because she's amount of never money. seen that much money before in her life ever. Ever. And then I, Edith says that they'll get the same every year. And Swan's eyes get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she's like, you mean there's more? Like, I don't have to worry about, like, Anything saving this ever, up. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, a like, this is one of those chapters that also shows very stark differences in Moraine and Swan. Like The for fishmonger's Swan, daughter versus the noble woman. Yeah. The niece to the king, even. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even that she's just a noble woman. It's that she's, like a very high-ranking, wealthy noblewoman. Mm-hmm. So she, of course, has her own banker outside of the tower, and Swan chooses to keep her money banked with the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't completely understand, like, what all differences those are. Or what is there an Aja that manages the books? Like, <laughs> are the no Browns idea. responsible for that? Like, do they have clerks that like... take care of that? 
I feel like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't right? know. Right. So I, I was inner workings of the tower. If anyone has any idea, yeah, I, who, I love. Who's the, uh, you know, secretary who are the of treasury? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who handles that stuff? Um, so Moraine takes her, takes a sedan. Is it a sedan chair? Sedan chair? Um, I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, they are also historically accurate. Like those used to be in use back in the day. Um, and what I, this just killed me. So what happens when an Aes Sedai gets into one of these chairs is some man walks in front of it yelling, make way for an Aes Sedai. And I'm like... How embarrassing. <laughs> but also, like, what kind of ego do they have that, right? like... Like, couldn't you just pass through the city like anybody that else? That reminds me of, like, from the movie Aladdin when they're like, make way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I picture her, like, swinging back and forth, like, on an elephant's back. Like, make way for the Aes Sedai. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. So that that part just, like, kind of cracked me up. But Maureen has had this banker for a while, like. I they have a good, mentions. like, personal relationship. Yeah. And so, she, and because she's a banker in Tarvalon, she knows what Moraine wearing the shawl means and that Moraine has now been raised as yes. an Aes Sedai. And she and congratulates first, her. And she's the first person to call Moraine Moraine Sedai. And of course, Moraine loves it because wouldn't you like to hear yeah. that? Like, it was just, it was one of those thrilling little moments that happened throughout the series where you're just like yes oh that's so good so through this conversation with her banker she finds out that this man has come to the bank from Kyrian but posing as a tower guard from like the white tower is that yeah. right yeah okay because this, this is this-, this is I absolutely adored this part of the chapter I love a good mystery mm-hmm. I love all of these little conniving situations mm-hmm. this is like political this is you know suspenseful it's just wonderful yeah it was it it was really good so the banker is like I sent you this letter I don't have anything more to divulge on it and Moraine is like she doesn't say it out loud. She, yeah, she, she doesn't say that she didn't receive the letter. She but just she says, I want not. you to tell me word mm-hmm. for word what the letter said. Yeah, like, and remind like maybe, me. Yeah, rem- and maybe while you're speaking, it'll jog something in my memory that I didn't get from your letter. So she's yeah. real slick about it. Like, this is a this is a really it's like her, Mar. Yeah, and it's kind also of kind of like her I said I trick. She doesn't mm-hmm. lie. And mm-hmm. say that she has seen it and she just needs a refresher. She phrases it in a way so that she doesn't have to lie. Yeah, exactly. So it turns out that this man has brought forged papers. And forged is and signed by the Amarillan seat. But this banker lady is like, um, I know what her signature looks like. I'm very familiar with it. I knew there was something wrong. And she also is like, the White Tower knows I would never divulge any information mm-hmm. from my own bankers, which is another reason why Maureen and, has her own and banker. And, too, it would put her on bad terms with Ky- Kyrian because mm-hmm. if, you know, this noble daughter of the king is, you know, if someone sneaks in and is allowed to look at her finances, what does yep. that say? Like, they yeah. would have the tower coming for her. They would have 
Moraine's, I guess, family family coming after her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she's too smart for this. Yeah. She's like, nope. Um. So she has the man arrested. Mm-hmm. They put him in the they put him in the cells. Yeah. And he escapes. Right. Yeah. He escapes. And so through this conversation, Moraine realizes like. This is what I got from it, is that Moraine realizes that someone is trying to figure out what she's doing with her money. And Mm -hmm. if she is getting an influx of money, and if it looks as though she's doing anything to make a move towards the Sun Throne. Like, that's what I took away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is also, like, one of the reasons why Moraine is not banking inside the white tower is that they because they see all of the ajas as they would see all of her transactions all of her transactions that would would be like someone looking at like every single thing you've ever bought like Mm -hmm. oh you bought this you you know yeah which right now with all of these sisters conniving to put maureen on the sun throne she definitely doesn't want them to see how she's spending her money and how much. Like, there are certainly things that are going to happen that she's not going to be able to hide, but she's slick. And so while she's with her banker, she, like, puts the first step of her plan in place. Like, she's like, I'm not bolting, but I'm going to be ready. Like, I Mm -hmm. need to have certain things in place. So she has her banker write up letters of rights for her to hold and it doesn't it doesn't really like divulge this fully it's more like i feel like it's insinuated that she's making these kinds of arrangements with her banker is that does that feel right yeah i think too like it it just really shows you know how how well she's suited to this you know kind of like escape plan Mm -hmm. and if she's how do i say this if she if she trusts her banker mm-hmm. and she knows that there's now she knows there's that mutual trust because this person obviously was like, no, I didn't let anyone look at your finances and I know yep. better than that. Now I feel like Moraine is kind of like, OK, now I know what I now I know something I can do. So she mm-hmm. kind of is able to like reverse this situation. And yeah, like you said, she makes her first play. Yeah. And like she's she says like as she's getting ready to leave light she had to find a way out like she's feeling this like trap kind of like tightening around her mm-hmm. and so she says that she's not it this is not to run away but to be ready and i just i love her right now just like her intelligence her forethought the like you are not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I have a plan and I know what it is and I'm going to make it happen. It doesn't matter what you are trying to do to mm-hmm. me. Like, this is just like... And it just shows reasons. how smart she is not to have her money put with the tower bank, I yeah. guess. Yeah. She's she's a very intelligent woman. And now it's t- and now it's time for dress shopping with Maureen and Swan. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is hilarious. This is so like comical. It's so good because Can you again, imagine? Could you imagine if they put this in with the TV show? Like It'd be ugh. so good. It'd be so good. And I'm I'm sure some those... people would feel like it's just fluff, like it's not necessary, but it's such a like great moment. It really is and it it is one of those moments that, like, gives you a deeper look, again, at who they are as women and, and what how, their background is. And how things work in this exactly. world. Because yep. we, I, 
I I was not expecting this. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, it was just going to be like, oh, they go try on dresses, whatever. Yeah. But then we get to see the inner workings of how things go for people living in this world that aren't Aes Sedai, just even normal people. Mm-hmm. So we don't get well, that and- very often. One of the things that I found really interesting in this, so they go, like, Maureen asks around among the Blue sisters, like, for a good seamstress, and she decides on this particular seamstress, and her and Swan go there together. But the seamstress doesn't curtsy to Swan or Maureen. And I thought that that was really interesting. Like, this woman really thinks well of herself and her skills to not curtsy to an Aes Sedai Mm -hmm. who would... At the very least, get like a head nod from a king or queen. I would assume. Right. Like it just. I was like, wow. Like she didn't. Okay. It that just like little things like that jump out at me when I read things like that. So again, like that little look into this particular world. World. Do we get a name of her by any chance? We do. I don't think I actually wrote it down. I was like in. I think what I want to say Tamore, T A M O R E. Maybe I'm sure. It's yes. Around yep. No, you're correct. Tomorrow. Oh yeah. Okay. Full-figured woman, fair-skinned for a Domani. Her shop is one of the several shops on the ground floor of a building that seems to be all curves. Yeah, we don't really we don't get anything extra on her, but this is yep. like this could be like a very like conspiracy moment. Like, who is this woman? Like, yeah. <laughs> So uh, apparently she just, yeah, thinks very She's, highly of, of herself. Yeah. I was like, wow, like, no, okay. So Swan orders six dresses, all in wool, and asks if there's anything less expensive <laughs> than the wool Mor- she is picking Mor- out. Moraine is aghast. <laughs> yeah. She's like, um, can I speak with you for a moment, please? And, like, that kind of happens, like, just a little further along because Moraine orders 20 dresses, half with divided skirts for riding because she likes to ride. Swan obviously does, does not. not. Um, <laughs> and she knows that she could, like, she could have ordered less dresses, but right now she's trying to make the tower think that she's planning on settling in. So mm-hmm. she's ordering this many dresses. She's going to stick around Tarvalon yeah. for a little while. And so then... That's when, like, Swan starts having this discussion around price. Because, like, once they've chosen their dresses and everything, the the seamstress tells them what the bill is. And Swan's like, fish guts! No, she doesn't really say fish guts. <laughs> but <laughs> um, it does definitely take her back. And, like, Moraine, like, pulls her aside and is like, this is not how this works. Like, you just... No. You like, cannot say this to this woman. This is yeah. socially unacceptable. A total yeah. faux pas. Like, just, yep. it's taboo. And at the same time, how in the world would Swan know that? Like, <laughs> she's used to, like, haggling for everything in her she life. She worked on the docks. She was exactly. selling fish. Like, this right? isn't, yeah. That's how, she, <laughs> that's how she would do things, you know? Like. Yeah. So, like, she, she doesn't know. And, I mean, good job, Moraine, like, helping to, like, teach your friends stuff and everything but like anyway this little interaction between the two of them like irritates the seamstress who like basically pins swan's dress too tight like so that like her <laughs> not- hips and bosom are are more emphasized <laughs> not just that it's too tight but just to emphasize emphasize like boobs and butt like yeah. to make the dresses like as 
as revealing as she yeah. could, considering the style that Swan asked for. Yes. And even though Swan had been like, I don't want to, like, show off my figure. And, like, Moray knows, even though she's, like, tried to stomp out light blue from making its way into her wardrobe, that all of her dresses are going to be in the lightest color of blue when she first receives them. Mm-hmm. So this was, as- the, this was the woman's way of, like, payback. Yeah, yeah, like you made me stand around and wait while you had to teach your friend how to behave properly. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it out on you guys in this little way. This, this, Yeah, this little way. But as they're getting ready to leave, Maureen, like, tells the seamstress that she wants, like, five, five more riding dresses, all cut in the strictest Kyrian style, each with six slashes across the breast, far fewer than she had a right to. And I think... Pretty much everyone who's read the series would know that, like, each region has its own style of clothing, and mm-hmm. the Kyrian have, like, a specific style of clothing. But, like, your ranks of no- nobility are represented through stripes on your clothing. So she's Yeah, asking, it's a little, like, it, it's kind of like where they would, there would be, like, two layers of color. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if you would picture, like, a little cut in the first layer, you would be able to see that color from behind peeking through. Yeah, kind and of. she she asks for it in the colors of her house as well. So this is her, and she she says she does not want to have them delivered to the tower. That when she's ready for them, someone will come and pick them up. And I know that she says that like this is far fewer slashes than she has a right to. Mm-hmm. I wonder like how many slashes should Moraine have? That's a good question. Do you think anybody knows that? Anyway, so this is like the second part of her plan that she has in place. She's met with her banker. She has clothes coming to the tower. And she has clothes that the standing by. Yeah, like stand by travel clothes because it's divided skirts for writing. So Mm -hmm. Maureen's got a plan. And now it's time for chapter 14. Chapter 14 is called Changes. Ch-ch-changes. So we start out and uh, Moraine and Swan are learning about the customs of the Blue Aja. Mm -hmm. And they learn weaves that are not permitted for the accepted. For example, the water bond. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to come back to this water bond later on when we're going into more of our spoilery discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, and yeah, and the rivalries are explained between the different Ajas, and yep. once again, it is mentioned that they are as complex as a game of Destemar. Mm-hmm. So that keeps coming up, mm-hmm. and I think that's for whoever thinks that politics should not be involved in <laughs> the Wheel of Time. <laughs> It'd be really hard I disagree. to have it without it. <laughs> It'd be really hard. Yeah. And what's really interesting is each Aja knows secret weaves. So Mm -hmm. just weaves that are known amongst each color Aja. So the blues might know something that the reds don't. The whites might know something that the yellows don't. And Mm -hmm. it's very secretive. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, one of those situations where the tower is just rife with petty things but it is mentioned that moraine has a secret weave that no one knows they don't say what it is but i for one need to know oh um do um, they say what it is they don't 
but I'm pretty sure it's her eavesdropping trap trick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dustin like, Mar all the way. I, f- I feel as though it may have been because it says it she had learned it within the castle growing up. But anyways, that would make sense, you know, if she's trying to like figure things out what's going on politically within mm-hmm. her family and home, like that's a really good that's a really good weave to know. It sure so, would be. So we'll see. And also wouldn't necessarily be a weave that you would want other people to, to know, know that, that you, you know. Knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And um, they learn how to ignore the cold and the heat, mm-hmm. which is so funny because throughout the main series, how many times do we hear complaints of, if I only knew this, you know, stupid weave that the Aes Sedai's know to, mm-hmm. you know, mask the effects of cold and heat. And it's so funny because, like, Moraine is just learning it right off the bat and we get right into it. Mm-hmm. And something else that is very interesting is that Swan learns these weaves much faster than Moraine. Yeah. And after we leave this, you know, learning session, they the tower starts preparing for the Feast of Lights. Mm-hmm. And something that comes up is these empty, unused chambers are being lit full of candles, which Moraine thinks is really strange Mm -hmm. and Moraine is basically trying to hide maybe because Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to have anything to do with this and she actually burns requests from some of the nobles like that want to meet her Mm -hmm. and she thinks like she doesn't even know how much trouble she's going to get into for doing this but she doesn't care so she's burning these requests for meetings and it's you know the conspiracy is just heating up mm-hmm. and we know I'm, I'm sure like we are led to assume that the tower are sending her these people to kind of politely talk her into becoming open to the idea of taking the sun throne mm-hmm. and as time goes on Moraine and Swan as they're you know getting back to their day-to-day things it turns out that Swan is actually starting to enjoy her work with Satalia Mm -hmm. and being the eyes and ears, which Mm -hmm. is so great because this is, you know, kind of a... We see things later on where this is important. Yeah. And um, as this is happening with Swan, Moraine is just becoming completely overwhelmed and tired of distributing these bounties Mm-hmm. Like, how boring, right? Mm-hmm. She just wants out. And she, you know, she wants to make a run for it. And we've seen that she's laid her groundwork. So later we get, um, this is the day after the feast. Elid is summoned to take her test for the shawl. She goes into the Terangrial to take the test. And she never comes back out. So. So this is our second death of an Aes Sedai in New Spring. And well, it's, an, ex- an accepted, but someone testing for the shawl. Who's the, okay, who's the, Guitar was the first, mm-hmm. and then who was it? Well, Elid, she, Elid yes, okay, okay. but she's she, more the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, she's... Like someone that, that's, that Maureen is connected to. Yeah, she would have been an Aes Sedai, but she 
obviously dies taking the test. So she failed, I I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Well, obviously. (laughs) This part really got to me. Like, it's a really short paragraph, but it's a really, like, they don't powerful statement about the tower because the tower doesn't announce it. No. Like, Maureen didn't find out that this happened until days after it, it had happened. And, like, a day of mourning was announced for her. But, like, it says that the tower doesn't like to announce its failures. So they, right. like, just, like, no one knows that this happened. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I thought about with this one versus – actually, we can talk about that later because I think that's more of a spoiler thing that I, I would like to kind of touch on. Mm-hmm. But, like, this part bothered me. I felt – a lot of sadness in this moment. And yeah. yeah, and what I find interesting is that Elid is one of the accepted who overhears Adalorna telling Shiriam about Guitar's foretelling. Mm. So when the rumor mill was going on, Elid was one of the women that knew about the foretelling. Interesting. So conspiracy, maybe. I Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe one of the keepers that are in on the or the um sitters that is in on the test. Is it all sitters or is it just heads? No, of it doesn't the have to be sitters. No, because Elida was there and she's not a oh, sitter. Yeah. So, so it could, you know, I don't this, know how they get chosen for that, actually. Yeah, this could be, you know, a conspir- conspiracy. She knows about this foretelling. Maybe someone had it out for her and doesn't want, you know, the secret getting out, possibly. Yeah. Well, because we know from Moraine's test that, like, the tests are created by the Aes Sedai sitting outside the Turangriel. Like, they can see what happens and they direct what happens so which again how cruel is the white tower that these women think up things that will potentially kill another one of their potential sisters inside this tarongreal mm-hmm. like that's just is that really necessary like right. i don't think i'd want to be an ice die if i knew all those things i mean even if even if you were very low in the one power, wouldn't you want as many people within the tower as you could? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want your numbers to grow? Yeah. But instead, they're making this test so brutal that people don't come back out. So yeah. it's either, you know, we know that there are can't say that um <laughs> i know i know there are li- there are like pieces about this where i'm like we should just talk about let's talk about this yeah. later in the spoiler okay. part because i just yeah this part really it just made me so sad for this mm-hmm. young woman who lost her life when mm-hmm. she had all these plans like she's a she's a minor character throughout the beginning of this book but she's there enough that like you know just these little things her, about yeah. her yeah, and so... It said that she had wanted to be a green, and she had told everyone she wants to be a green, and she wants six warders. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, we, you know, we, we feel for her because we know, like, we know about her. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it, it's interesting because she knows about Guitara's foretelling that the last battle is among, you know, the current lifetime of the sisters in the tower now. Mm-hmm. And she had actually repeated this conversation to Moraine and Swan. So is it possible she was whacked because she knows of the prophecy? I can't say. 
Yeah, who knows? And then, like, very quickly, we learn that Elida returns back to Andor. Thank God. Right. (laughs) See ya. And things go on. Moraine's friendship with Anaya and Adine grow. And Leanne is... Leanne? 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 I always say Leanne. Okay. They become fast friends again. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yes, I love her. (laughs) She's such a great character. Mm-hmm. Tamara's five searchers leave the tower, mm-hmm. and Moraine is just devastated that she's not one of them. Yep. So, one of the things that they had to do when they are um, sworn in is the sixth person, the sixth Aes Sedai, to kiss them as they're sworn in is to receive a baked pie from them. Mm-hmm. So, they bake their pies for Eldra. And Eldra gets so sick that she has to actually have someone heal her. <laughs> <laughs> they should have asked. They should have asked Lara's mistress of the kitchens for help. <laughs> right? Why didn't they? Oh, sorry. And then Shirion is tested and passes, and Swan wants to bring her into the secret hunt for the Dragon Reborn because Shirion but- also becomes blue. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Moraine talks her out of it because Shiriam is, and I quote, a gossip. A gossip. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Right? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So large amounts of accepted now become being test. They're, they're now being tested for mm-hmm. the shawl. And about tw- and at the same time that many of them are being tested and becoming Aes Sedai, 20 novices are sent out of the tower. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like someone wants to raise the numbers and someone wants to lower the numbers. Mm-hmm. So I really get this feeling that there's two <gasps> factions working against each other. Well, there are. There's the Black yeah. Raja and... Oh, my gosh. Do you see and... where I'm going with this? Yes. <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> I'm making faces at you right now. <laughs> We're both making faces. <laughs> I'm sorry our listeners can't see our faces. <laughs> Someday so, we'll do video. <laughs> so 20 novices are sent out of the tower. And mm-hmm. Moraine is beginning to feel that the tower is destined to become a monument to the dead. Mm-hmm. So Moraine has the insight to see that something's happening and... That this tower that was supposed to be full of people is just, you know, it's the numbers are so tiny that it just, it seems pointless maybe mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. And three days later, Rima Galfrey, a yellow, enters the dining hall. And without any warning, without any, you know, sadness or anything, she just says, Tamara Ospenya the Amerlin is dead. She died in her sleep. And everyone's like, what the fuck? You know, like she just says it like, um, it's going to be a sunny day out today. And then yeah, leaves. And she just kind of looks around at everybody and makes sure that they heard her and then leaves. Yeah. So, it was so weird. Conspiracy. It was so weird. There's so much going on right now that is just mind boggling. Yep. So Tamara is dead. And Moraine has the thought that oh, no, what's going to happen with the search? Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and she immediately scolds herself for thinking of the search first instead of having, you know, feelings of mourning or loss for Tamara. Mm-hmm. And for the funeral, she actually wears this scandalous light blue dress that the dressmaker <laughs> had made. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to do this as a penance for herself. Mm-hmm. And she thought she could have just gone to, you know, someone and told her, told told one of the other Aes Sedai's that she needs a penance for something. But she's afraid that if she goes to someone, then her penance would keep her in the tower longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she instead wears this scandalous light blue dress to the funeral, knowing that everyone would be staring at her like aghast. Mm-hmm. Like, what are yeah. you wearing at this funeral? And during the funeral, Moraine says a few very kind words about Tamara, and she cries a little bit, sniffles a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, afterwards she burns that dress, never wanting to see it or possibly being reminded mm-hmm. of her shame. Yeah. And afterwards, Sierra and Veyu, a gray, is raised to Amerlin. And this woman, oh, she's like a really big prude. She fires every single male clerk inside the tower and accuses them of flirting with the novices and the accepted. And we Mm -hmm. know this is untrue because Mm -hmm. some of the clerks were old enough to be great-grandfathers and some of them, wait for it, had no liking for women at all. So Mm -hmm. here, ladies and gentlemen, is the very first mention of gay men in the Wheel of Time series. Yeah. And Sierra, the new Omerlin, exiles three sisters for a year and Mm -hmm. she beats two more. She I guess she, like, ties them to something and, like, has them whipped or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they did – I think it's birched. They birched them. Yeah. Is that what they said? And Is that where you they, take, like, a, a branch from a tree and just whack them? I think so. And they actually, like, they created a sound barrier around – because, like, it wasn't just that they were beaten and no one knew about it. They were beaten and if you were in the – the tower as an Aes Sedai, you were expected to show up and watch it happen. And so they like built a shield around them so that no one could hear the screams of the woman being beaten from outside the tower. This lady is a psychopath. Do not like her. No. No. Mm-mm. And she's from which Aja? Is she gray? Gray. She's gray. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Sierran, the new Amerlin, announces the new mistress of novices, which is Amira Mazel. Mm-hmm. And she's a red, which is an odd choice, but okay. Mm-hmm. And her new keeper of the chronicles is Duhara Bashin, Bashahin, mm-hmm. Basha, who is also a red. So like weird, right? Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and Swan deduces that Tamara's searchers are not going to be reporting their findings to the new Amerlin. Mm-hmm. Um, she said she thinks you know to Sierra and her own view of the law was the law and without a shred of mercy to be found in it or in her so mm-hmm. she's just like she seems like she would be an awful person to be around she's big time bad news yeah yeah and so here I think we can get this speculation of this is this is always something that I do when it's 
stated how awful someone is in the series, I'm always like, dark friend, dark friend, dark mm-hmm. friend. And we yep. don't know for sure, but yeah. um, we'll keep going here. Mm-hmm. And so Moraine goes to Sierra and the new Amerlin and asks to quit her task of distributing the bounty. Sierra, Sierra allows this and tells her, like, don't worry, we'll have needs of you soon anyways. So, uh-oh. And so it's pretty obvious what that means. They want her on the sun throne. And this is where we get this very quick goodbye. Moraine tells Swan that she's going to go for a ride, and Swan knows exactly what she really means and that she's actually leaving the tower. Yep. So the goodbye is very short and curt, and as much as they, I'm sure they want to have a longer goodbye, they can't. Mm-hmm. Before she hurries out, she hugs Swan, and they have a quick goodbye not to draw attention to themselves, mm-hmm. and I'm sure trying to hide you know, they don't they don't want to become emotional because, you know, if Swan's ro- walking around crying, mm-hmm. someone's obviously going to notice something's up. Yep. Like she, it, in it, the book says, um, Swan's breath caught the light protect you. Like mm-hmm. she gets it instantly when Moraine is like, I'm going on a ride. And mm-hmm. she knows she can't give she can't give Moraine away. And like it has and that's to be just short. shows how close they are that mm-hmm. Swan knows exactly what's going on and she doesn't even have to ask. Mm-hmm. So on the way out, Moraine is questioned by Edith, which is the head of the Blue Aja and mm-hmm. a sitter. And Edith warns her that crossing the bridge would upset the Amarlin and tells, and this is where Moraine uses her little eye Sedai eye trick and mm-hmm. she tells Edith that she has no intention of crossing the bridge. Yeah. And this is really great because she's, you know, she's not lying, but she's finding a way to avoid the truth. Mm-hmm. And she tucks her serpent ring into her pouch and she heads north to North Harbor and gets on a ship called the Blue Wing. So <clears throat> on the ship, she embraces Sidar so she can get a good look at whomever the dock mistress is talking to. And she sees the man and realizes that it's the fake tower guard that the bankers had previously seized. Yep. And she recognizes him because he has the scar. Yeah. And as the ship sets off, Moraine contemplates what her punishment will be. She's scared but excited, and they now cannot put her on the sun throne. Yep. She's leaving. And that's, yeah, and She's that's gone. just, yeah. Um. And I like I I liked how this wrapped up. Like Robert Jordan does such a good job of like using like these really brief sentences to kind of like convey something so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And so the last sentence of the chapter is she was off on an adventure as grand as any ever undertaken by an ice and I. And I just mm-hmm. loved that. I was like, oh, here it goes. Here it goes. We're on our way. And yeah, I mean, this is where this is where the adventure picks up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's conspiracy, there's plotting, there's politics, there's an escape, mm-hmm. there's you know a crime. It's just it's great. It's yeah. great stuff. And what I think what we had previously thought is to do discussion topics afterwards, mm-hmm. but because these <laughs> chapters are so heavy, full of information. 
our discussion topics are going to be super long. Mm -hmm. So I think this would be a good way to kind of fix that is do a whole separate episode with discussion topics because these chapters were so good and so full of interesting stuff mm-hmm. yeah I feel really good about that <laughs> yeah yeah it deserve it deserves it yes exactly there are a lot of things that I didn't get a chance to kind of like pull out for this recording that I had wanted to and so I'm mm-hmm. glad that we're going to come back to it with another recording and we're also going to like do some like in some of our Twitter interactions that we had because we've had some really fun interactions <laughs> with the Twitter of time community it's such a lovely place to be thank you everyone for making that a lovely place to be and for just like wanting to talk about this all the time but also just to be kind about things like that's something that I really appreciate yeah we like we love everyone who reaches out and we you know we love questions it's Mm -hmm. so much fun you know hearing from people and we want to you know we want to get to know people too so mm-hmm. like we love when people are like oh i have an opinion on this what do you think about that and it's so much fun just to you know to get that out there yeah thank you so much for joining us on this stretch of the road to tarvalin we're so excited to share our love for the series with other fans thank you everyone We will be launching shows every Wednesday and hope you'll continue to join us. Next week, we are going into our discussion topics and spoilers for chapters 11 through 14 of New Spring. Make sure you come back and listen to those because they're going to be good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am looking forward to this. Um, So let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed to our email road2tarvalin at gmail.com you can find us on twitter amber is at road2tarvalin that's all one word right yes yep um and i am at mistress laris also all one word uh we are on instagram road2tarvalin and if you have the anchor app you can leave us a voice message um that we can use in upcoming episodes as long as that's okay with you. Uh, Just let us know in the message if that's something you're willing to allow us to share. If you don't have, or if you don't want to leave a voice message but still want to get in touch with us, email us, get in touch with us through social media. We spend a lot of time there. I spend so much more time on Twitter than I ever (laughs) thought I would. (laughs) But it's just been so fun. It started out, as it started out, you're like, yeah, I don't really use Twitter. Yeah. And, and now, now I'm like, I'm like, look at all these things that can happen on Twitter. This is so nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I feel like there was something that I wanted to add to. Oh, you can find our episodes on pretty much every major podcast app. Subscribe to us so that you always know when we have an episode coming out and we'll show up in your feed. And that actually helps us with our numbers and whatnot. So that would be lovely if you just like... What is it? Subscribe. What is it? What is it that the kids say? Smash that subscribe button. Who decided <laughs> yeah. smash was a thing? Who says smash that? Smash that button. <laughs> if you say that, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's everything. Uh, so yeah. until next week. Thanks for joining us. Safe travels and, and walk, walk in, in the, the light. light. <laughs>